Our gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of our Lord from Scripture. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be open and receptive to your, your word and your leanings to your spirit this morning. Amen. I will never forget the human frailty, the physical demands, nor the comic genius of watching Melissa McCarthy the first time in the movie Bridesmaids. You recall this movie, right, from 2011, starring Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, and McCarthy, where competition over who is the best friend and thus the best bridesmaid ends up causing all kinds of calamity, which seemed to cause more calamity, and it just went on and on from there. Those of you who remember it, remember that Annie, the the main bridesmaid, is a mess, but when she finds out her lifetime best friend is engaged, she simply has to be the maid of honor. She's broke and kind of against love at the moment, but she's going to bluff her way through expensive lunches and anything that she can do to take up this position of the perfect bridesmaid. And with one chance to get it right or to get it perfect, she's going to show this best friend and everyone else just how far she'll go for love. And of course, she seems to be not the only one who's interested in making the best of this wedding situation. Melissa McCarthy's character, Megan, who just seems to be willing to go even further and even further, making wild scenes on airplanes and embarrassingly gross toilet humor in a beautiful gown, and while basically helping to set a new low bar for a bridal party. That bar was potentially previously held by this morning's passage. So let's consider this morning's passage. Thank you. 
If we think about this in context, let me set the scene just a little bit. In ancient Galilee, a groom would come, perhaps even unannounced, and pick up the bride and the bridal party and would whisk them back to his home and they would have a wedding feast. So the maiden's job was to have lamps ready and literally bring lights to this procession of the wedding. They were, in fact, or in essence, the light of the party. And this was a known part of what would happen for a wedding. And thus, these women knew their roles. They knew their job was to wait around until whenever this guy finally shows up and to be ready with their lamps. That's what they do. It's not hard to imagine that they would think through this a little bit and think, well, you know, he's probably traveling on foot. It might take him some time, and this is a party. You just never know. Maybe I'll bring some extra oil. But we know that half were ready, and the other half weren't. We could spend a lot of time looking at this story and wondering what was going on with these foolish women. We could speculate that those who are prepared probably have an A-type personality. <laughs> or perhaps they're just Girl Scouts, and they are annoyingly prepared. I say this because I was a Girl Scout, and to this day I get a little crazy around details when we're going camping. I over-prepare. We can wonder about what was going on, and we can imagine that we know the types, can't we? Well, there's also the other type. There is perhaps a woman I know from a church that was certain she knew how to do everything right. That was her gift, to tell us when we had done it right or not. So if you didn't meet those expectations, she would let you know. The funny thing, of course, is that she did not like meetings. She did not like to respond to emails. She did not like to chime in during planning sessions. She just knew that when she was coming, it needed to be right, and she was not always prepared for what was about to happen. I have to wonder, too, as a modern listener, that maybe this bridal party, more than any concern around oil or who the bride or bridegroom is or isn't, this, this party might have caused great harm and disappointment to that bride. Did you notice that the bride is not mentioned in this story? It's kind of odd, right? Well, as a person who is actually starting to plan a wedding, I can tell you that who's in the bridal party and who's on the guest list and who has what job is taking an awful lot of my thought and time. And I am taking it very seriously. And if by some strange chance, my friends and family can't pull it together and support me on such an important day, when my fiance is late without explanation, and we would get to that and to her later, well, friends, this bridal party is not going to be much fun. And this story is concerning, not because of the fear of what happens when the groom gets there, not so much because is the job going to get done or is it not? But what's happening in this community? Why didn't the bride have a rehearsal dinner and tell them what was going on? <laughs> or did she and they just were already partying and they just kind of missed that part? It makes me think of an old friend from college that you might only invite because of 
you know, who's friends with who's, and her mother is my friend's mother, and all these kinds of things. And, and if that's who these foolish five women are, where were the wiser sisters who said, hey, where's your flask when they got there? Or, hey, let this go. Let's be present for the bride and the groom. This is too important to miss, whether or not your lamp is bright. Let's do this as a group. Let's do this together in relationship. But of course, we know that's not exactly how this text ends, is it? It's just a pretty low bar for that bridal party. When we think about the context, we know that ancient communities were worried about different things sometimes than we are today. We know that they were excited about a Messiah coming. They were excited about Christ coming a second time, hopeful that with the second coming, everything would change. Politics would change. Society would change. And to me, that hope is still alive, isn't it? Isn't that why some of us come on Sunday mornings? Because we also believe in a hope of a future that can be better, that can be different. But the people, it seems to me, that are really worried about the second coming and giving you a clock for such things are not exactly the folks that I want to be paying attention to these days. Perhaps you do. But I think we've learned a couple of things in the 2,000 years that we've been waiting for Christ to come. And we've learned perhaps the most important part is that Christ is with us. Amen? Advent is coming up, and that's the season where we really get to get into some of this Christ is here and not yet, right? We're excited about the way things could be, and we're hopeful, and we're present, and we're still waiting, and yet we are also working to make that hope and that dream a reality. Because a better future can mean a lot of things. And scripture points us to that, towards the desire for justice and for mercy, for healing and reconciliation, for dignity for all people, for food and shelter for all people. Christ coming again, God's glory being fulfilled on the earth is a wonderful thing. And there have been, this this particular passage has helped us live towards that and point towards that for many years. I'm thinking specifically of the spiritual based on this text. Spiritual coming out of American slavery. And African slaves finding, finding these words so hopeful to keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Do you know that one? Yeah? Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. The time is drawing nigh. And what are they looking for? Freedom. Dignity. I have this beautiful record and it has a version of this song and then it has another one and it says, I wanna be ready. It's folk, it's a little bit different accent. I wanna be ready. I wanna be ready when joy comes back to me. And then all of the verses talk about 
how difficult life is. And then they come back to this, I want to be ready. I want joy. I want freedom from pain. What is it that is on our hearts here in 2017 San Francisco? What is it that we want to sing about? What is it that we are willing to work towards and to wait for? What is it that's keeping us motivated, keeping us on this path with Christ and for Christ and with each other? When I think about these wise bridesmaids, it makes me wonder if they aren't the older bridesmaids, the bridesmaids that has done this before and they know what they're doing. More like my friends from seminary. We're all in our mid to late 30s and we've seen a few weddings and we, we've waited. And it is with that in life, isn't it? As we work towards being Christ's body in this world, we learn. We learn as we practice. Just as a bridesmaid, the fifth or sixth time you've done it, you kind of get the rhythm of things, right? I mean, I'm just speaking from experience. <laughs> I've seen a couple of things. The same is true, isn't it, on this journey with Christ? that there is a wisdom of practicing. So maybe the wisdom comes with the practice. And these women have seen it before and they knew to bring that extra oil. Because perhaps two weddings ago, they didn't. And to me, that gives me hope that there are all kinds of people waiting and waiting together and falling asleep, if you will notice. So what are you waiting for and working for? And are you learning and growing on the road? I hope that you are, for that is what makes us a church, that we go and we walk and we wait and we love and we hope. Amen.